Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Two weeks left to go until I'm going to see you guys at the VW Classic. Unfortunately, this weekend, I can't be at Bugarama 87, but that's happening this weekend for you guys up in Northern California. Bugarama 87 is happening at Sacramento Raceway, May 20th and 29th. You guys up there in that Northern California area and Reno, this is probably the best swap meet, VW swap meet in the West Coast. I wish I could make it this weekend. Unfortunately, I've got conflicting plans and can't seem to get out there, but make sure you guys go over there and support Bugarama and those guys and everything that they do for putting on these VW events. Now, after that, it's going to be VW classic weekend this weekend kicks off technically thursday june 2nd that's going to be the vw trends magazine founders party if you guys helped kick off the magazine make sure you guys are at the founders party check your email for your rsvp or reach out to vwtrendsmagazine.com if you were part of the founders group and there's going to be a uh, there's going to be a party that thursday night and then friday starts off with an open house at pierside parts later on that evening it's going to be the DKP meet in Old Town Orange on Main Street. And then after that, it's going to be uh, Saturday. Saturday, the show will be Octo in the morning, the RVA show also in the morning. And Sunday, it kicks off with the VW Classic. Now, the host hotel is where we're going to be at with a lot of other people that are going to be at the host hotel, which is the Senesta in Irvine. The booking code for the room is Classic 22 to get your special room rates. But that's where we're going to be staying. And that's going to be kind of the hub of what's going on for a bunch of us Vegas people. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys down there for the VW Classic. And not to leave our East Coast brothers out of this, but Northeast Niagara Falls, Ontario, Fireman's Park is going to be where they're going to have the Niagara German Air Car Show and Social. That's going to be taking place June 11th. The cruise is on June 11th. The show is June 12th. For more information for you guys to check out, make sure you guys check out the website at German, G-E-R-M-A-N-A-I-R-E. GermanAir.ca. Today's podcast is another podcast that I drummed up while I was down at the Grand National Roaster Show, except I lost the actual podcast that I did. And so I contacted Rob and we redid another podcast. Now, you might remember a little while back, we had a car on that we talked about. It was called the Berlin Buick, and it's a mid engine Mendiola Trans Buick nail head, full custom Beetle. That if you haven't seen it, you really have to see it because. As much as you might not be a fan of mid-engine conversions and V8 swaps in Volkswagens, this is probably one of the highest level builds that I've ever seen with one of these cars. Uh, it's been featured in Hot Rod Magazine. It's been featured all over the V8 world, and I think the VW world is really missing out by not seeing this custom Volkswagen that's been done super tastefully, and it's really above and beyond. I mean, the customization of this car is really a lot to be desired. And I met Rob, super cool guy, VW guy at heart, wanted to do something different, which is what a lot of us guys try to do, and I think he really knocked it out of the park. I mean, this car, and I'll post pictures, so click on the link down in the podcast description to go to the website, Let's Talk Dubs, and go to the blog page, and that's where I'll have a bunch of pictures and whatnot posted of this particular car, dubbed the Berlin Buick. Like I said, it's something to be really taken in and looked at and appreciate the high level of custom work that's been done to this car. I uh, had a great time talking to Rob, cool guy, and he's got a lot of wild ideas. Buckle up, sit back, and uh, let's enjoy this week's podcast with the Berlin Buick owner, Rob Freeman, on Let's Talk Dubs. Here's a Volkswagen that's big enough. The new VW Fastback Sedan. Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air 
they're cool. Since we made a VW that's a little roomier in the inside, Okay, everybody. So on today's podcast, back when I was at the Grand National Roadster Show, they had every influential Volkswagen that's been built over the past 50 years there. And there was one vehicle we talked about before on the podcast, and which really caught my eye because it's a converted Volkswagen. A lot of people in the VW world get a little a little weird when they see converted Volkswagens, but this has to be probably one of the nicest conversions, uh, rear engine or actually mid-engine VWs that I've ever seen. And I'm sure you guys remember what we're talking about because we talked about it for a while on the podcast. It's called the Berlin Buick. And today on the podcast, I've got Rob Freeman from Golden, Colorado, and he is the owner and builder of the Berlin Buick. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Hey, so we did a podcast down at the Grand National Rosa Show, and obviously I had a little situation in Mexico and I lost all of my data and all kind of stuff that I had there. So I wanted to get you back on the horn and I really wanted to discuss this car because this is, in my opinion, you know, seeing this car, the quality of the build, um, you know, it's not often when people start crossing lines and doing V8 conversions and things like that and 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 follow a theme and it fits through the whole car. And and, and the Buick, the, the, the Volkswagen, the Berlin Buick as it's known, has been done, in my opinion, at such a high level and 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 it so tastefully done where the theme transfers through the entire vehicle um get us started with like what made you pick how did your volkswagen story begin and what's your vw story well through the years of course uh, i've owned multiple volkswagens and um you know as volkswagen owners can attest to you know they're always underpowered right so Ultimately, it got to a point where I was in a position to uh, decide to put some, uh, you know, different uh, power plant into the vehicle. Um, and uh, I'd always dreamed of putting a V8 in a Volkswagen. Uh, the, the Volkswagen in itself, it, to me, was reminiscent of a small American car. I know it's a German car, but the roundness and the curves of of uh, the Volkswagen just reminded me of any hot rod from the late 1940s, early 1950s. And, and I felt like it deserved, uh, you know, all of us Volkswagen guys, there's a lot of purists out there that do original, but there's a lot of us that love to customize them. Right. Right. So it's a, it's a great simple platform to do whatever you want with these, uh, with these cars. So, um, you know, I had this 56 body that I had bought, and it was just a body. I bought it in New Jersey. It was some guy had it. He had already grafted a uh, uh, rag top sunroof into it, but there was no pan. Uh, we literally uh, just opened up a U-Haul storage uh, container, and we picked it up and put it on the trailer, and I brought it home. And I had a 73 pan uh, from another Volkswagen that I was just going to mate to it. And uh, the idea was, well, someone already cut into this 56 body, so I can't make it original. I don't have the original fan. Um, so uh, what I wanted to do was just chop the top. At the time when I bought the body, you know, I had these these uh, ideas of putting the V8 in the car, but I, it, I wasn't necessarily ready for it at that time. 
So uh, the only thing I really wanted to do was have the top chopped. And I was originally, this was in upstate New York where I lived, and uh, in that area, um, almost near Canada, that's where I was. It was very rural. It's a beautiful area, but as far as hot rod shops are concerned, there's few and far between. I couldn't sure. find anybody to fabricate a, a chop top. And all the years of any car that I would have owned, whether it's Volkswagen or otherwise, I would have been hard-pressed finding someone to do the custom work on the car that I would would have wanted. So um, in 2015, I mean, we're going back a ways. Sure. But uh, I went to a big car show in Syracuse, New York, called the Syracuse Nationals. And there's about 8,000 cars that are there every year. It's the biggest show in the Northeast. And I ran across a guy that uh, had a booth set up, and he just uh, was kind of sitting in the back. He didn't have a lot of signage or anything, but turns out he was only about 40 minutes away from where I live. And I presented him with the idea of chopping this pop on this Volkswagen. And he said, you know, I've chopped probably about 100 hot rods but I've never chopped a Volkswagen, and he was a little hesitant to even do so because we all know the tops on the Volkswagens to get those lines just right and to do them even yeah. uh, is a job. So, uh, you know, to start off that story with a car, that's all I was doing was just going to bring the car in, get the top chopped, and I was just going to run it with VW Power and uh, – but then once I got into a shop and I saw the projects that he was working on, he had clients from Chicago. He had clients from North Carolina. There were people that were shipping stuff into him up in the middle of the backcountry woods of northern New York to get work done on these uh, 31 Fords or 33 Buick or, you know, the typical old street rods. And I said, you know, <laughs> we started chopping into the top and I, and I said, uh, you know, after about checking in the third or fourth time at the shop, I says, you know, I had this crazy idea you know, when I was a kid that I always wanted to have a V8 and a bug, and I wanted it to be different. I didn't want it in the front like a lot of guys like to do. Right. I wanted to do it mid-engine. Uh, hanging it out the rear would be, uh, from a weight distribution standpoint, just kind of ridiculous to be popping wheelies all day. And uh, I said, I would love to put something in the back seat. I said, but I'll probably never find anyone to that would take on something like that. So I started walking away that day to say, I'll see you later next week or what have you and check on the status of the top. And uh, he's like, wait a minute. He goes, I was thinking about what you said. He goes, I think that's something that we can engineer and do. And I said, really? And uh, from that point forward, like all the wheels started turning and I had to tell him, I says, well, if you're serious I have to go back and contemplate whether or not I want to jump into this because once I knew that we're looking to convert it and the money that was going to be involved to to put something in there in the middle, um, I it took me a couple of weeks to say go ahead and do it. Yeah, but, uh, that's that's really the infancy of the story is that it initially this car from uh, you know when I first started it was just supposed to be a chop top and then we got it to where we said, okay, we're going to make it mid-engine. But even then, it was to the point where we weren't planning on finishing it to the level that it is and how you talk about the design and the continuity of everything. That all came, as with a lot of other projects, that all comes with time as you go through, right? Sure. So 
decisions were being made on the fly as we went to see what we could do and um, make it better. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, one of the things on the car is, is the dashboard, the whole dashboard that, that wraps into the doors, the replacement of the window cranks and the doors. And actually one of the hardest things to do on a chop top is keep a vent window. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Right? Like t- talk <laughs> yeah. about a couple of those things. Let's talk first yeah. about the dashboard, like the, the concept of so, getting that whole dash in there. So, uh, so as I said, originally it was just putting a V8 in the back seat. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I would have been happy with a car that I could just, uh, I don't want to say beat the crap out of, but it was something to where it would be almost like a rat rod, but a little bit nicer, something that was drivable, but not high end finish. Right. So at the time it was like, well, uh, you know, let's just put an engine back there. Well, my whole idea of chopping the top of the car says, well, I definitely don't want to stretch the car to accommodate the motor. Right. And so, uh, because that's going to ruin the proportions of the top, the car, it's just going to look funky. Even a couple, two, three inches, you're going to be able to tell. And I didn't want that. I like the, I've always grown up seeing chopped Volkswagens and I just loved the proportions as they were. So that left us with, uh, decide, you know, trying to figure out what was going to fit there without stretching. And the only motor, well, there's two motors. There's only two V8s that we could think of that would fit that we wouldn't have to stretch the car. One was a V860 from a 1930s Ford flathead, right. which would have been going backwards in technology. the design of yeah. the car and technology, or the 215 Buick, all aluminum Buick. Um, when you measure them out, the Buick is actually uh, shorter front to back than a small block Chevy, uh, Hemi, Ford, what have you, uh, any smaller motor. So it just made sense to use that. So that being said, getting into your question about the dash, yeah. Uh, and as we were progressing through the build and making these decisions to say, well, is this going to be a driver? Is this going to be a driver's show car? Is this going to be just a show car? Uh, what can we do to make it even cooler? And I said, well, let's just throw a bunch of Buick parts at it. A lot of hot rod guys take dashes out of other cars and put them into their car. And that's a cool, unique feature. So I started looking at Buick dashes because I had a Buick motor. And I looked from everything from the 1930s through the 60s. And that 49 dash was the most beautiful dash that I could, that I saw. Yeah. I said, that's what I want to use. So uh, we put that in. We had to shorten it to uh, 14 inches, basically cut the whole glove box area out right. to uh, fit it in there. But also uh, their design on the car, There's uh, the Buick originally came, the 49 Buick did have these uh, metal pieces that would be the wraparound part of the dash that would go into each door on the driver door and the passenger door. But um, they would stop about halfway back in the door. Well, that wasn't good enough for, for me. Uh, the, it, the design just stopped there. And, it, and when you're talking about showing the car off, uh, it wouldn't have looked right. So I had my guys build uh, or replicate that same design of that wraparound feature from the dash into the door and extend it all the way back to the wheel tubs in, in the back of the car, which, by the way, is something that no one notices unless I point it out because it right. looks like it's it looks like it's part of the body. Yeah. Like you don't even recognize it, but it just flows so well. 
Um, yeah, that, so that's, yes. that's one of the things that kind of sneaks up on you when you look at the car, like you're noticing the chop, you see the exhaust, the exhaust man, the exhaust ports come out of the traditional Buick portals that are moved to the rear quarter panel of the car. And then you see the body line on the side and yeah. then you got to kind of double take on it because it's actually molded into the car and it, and it actually adds texture to it. It's not just a piece of Chrome on there. Right. Yeah. So the, uh, uh, the Buick trim, uh, I, another f- a big fan of, I don't know what it was. I mean, I guess I w- didn't know I was a, a huge fan of Buicks until I started <laughs> buying parts right, to right. put on the Volkswagen. And then I realized, and like, I can remember that, you know, Oldsmobile Buick kind of to me stood out more than a Chevy Ford just for whatever reason. And, uh, the Buick always had the signature sweep trim. So, uh, depending on the year, every year the sweep trim changed. Um, so I looked at all the different years of sweep trim and that 57 Roadmaster was my favorite. So I went out and sourced out a set for the outside and then that wasn't good enough. I decided that I wanted to replicate the same pattern of sweep trim on the inside of the car. Sure. Which again, you kind of have to point out to people just so that they can see it. But, uh, that was a hard part to source out. And then. Uh, well, so I got the set for the outside. I got a full set, but the inside set, uh, there's six pieces. Each piece I had to buy separately from different places throughout the country because I just couldn't find them. Original, and, it's all original. Uh, they don't reproduce it. Yeah, no, it's all original. I mean, we uh, cut it and welded it and smoothed it and did everything we needed to do and polished it. Obviously, chromed it to uh, get it to fit the Volkswagen properly, uh, the door width and everything. But um, uh, the big job with that uh, trim, as you had said, was that we channeled it into the car. We just didn't slap the trim on. Right. Uh, I was adamant about recessing the trim in so that it was flush with the body. Um, because uh, if you just slap it on there, it's just like taking any other aftermarket piece of trim and putting it on a car. It would have looked cheap. So... Um, uh, even though my guys were a little bit hesitant to do that because it was literally cutting the car in half and making a channel and then recessing the trim in, uh, I convinced them to do it. And it just goes to show the metal work and the ability that the guys have to uh, to do that kind of work. And then they also, uh, if you look at pictures of the car, they added uh, an idea that I didn't even think of, which was waterfalling the trim into the front and rear fender so it looks like it just continues to run into the fender and behind the fender and it, it doesn't stop it's right. a continual waterfall effect if you will yeah it, so it, it, um, it definitely looks it, you know I, I think one of my favorite things about it is like there's there's and i think when you cross that line and you really build something super custom like this when no one can notice things that are done I think you you know at that point that you've really got it blended into the car so well that the car everything fits together so well it kind of completes the completes the look of the car. I mean, with everything with this car, with the split front bumpers, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. the wheel tire combination on it, you know, a Volkswagen guy wouldn't pick that, but that they just fit. It just fits on that car, you know. Yeah, I think, and and I and I've said it before, you know, the success for this build and the flow and the design creativity behind it. I didn't even know I had it. I came from the history of being in the school bus business and yeah. motor coach business and limousine business. Uh, building cars and having hot rods on the side was kind of my hobby. But uh, I never did a high-end build to this extent. And like I said, it wasn't even the original plan. It just turned out that way. Yeah. 
And so through multiple visits to the shop, being that it was only 40 minutes away, I always said, if you tried to build this car over the phone, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It was merely me going to talking to Gary and his brothers uh, at Bronze Metal Mods, the shop that built it out of Port Light in New York, uh, going there on a weekly basis and just sitting back and looking at the car and saying, what can we do? What do we need to do to make this right? And, um, I mean, we were cutting everything up already anyway, so cutting the bumpers and, you know, uh, adding those vented ports for the exhaust in the back, that was kind of like, you know, <laughs> that that whole thing came from uh, my father telling me that's where the exhaust went out in Buick's back and when I was like, you know, five years old and I right. believed him. And... <laughs> And then when Gary asked me, well, how are we going to route the exhaust out the car? You know, how do you want it coming out the back? I'm like, well, why don't we just put it out the side? I mean, it's a Buick. We got these Buick portholes. Instead of having them in the front, let's put them in the back and run the exhaust out the, out the side, just like my dad had made me believe back when yeah. I was a kid. And it, and it just, and it worked, you know, and it, it, uh, and it was a perfect location because the way that sweep trim goes down and that rear quarter, uh, it allowed for a place to put those portholes. It was just like a perfect setting to put that. No, so. and it's and it's again, it's one of those things that's true to a Buick. the the sweep The sweeping belt line is a Buick specific. The portholes are Buick specific. The nail heads Buick specific. I mean, yeah. like it's almost a perfect blend of those two things. I mean, there, there's so many subtle custom touches to this car. Like there's no running boards on the car, and the bottom of the the bottom body channel has been molded in. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the way the suicide doors are set up with the hidden hinges on the inside. I mean, yeah. there are so many things. Let's talk about the bumpers for a minute. So you've got a rear, a full rear bumper that's got that's molded into the body. Yeah. It looks like. Yeah. So uh, the bumpers, as much as I would have loved to them be Buick as well, we just couldn't find small enough Buick parts to uh, make the bumpers the way that we wanted them. Uh, everything that came from uh, Buick uh, that we could find uh, as far as bumper rats uh, were like 12 inches in diameter because they were just huge cars. Sure, sure. So um, so we started with the front bumper and knew we just wanted to do something different. We wanted to have that 50s custom vibe going on. So uh, And we're looking at different bullets. They call them bullets, I guess, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, what came with, like, small, small bullet? And we finally figured out that the 57 Chevy grill has a grill bar with two bullets in it. And it's not the bumper bullets because the bumper bullets on a 57 Chevy are huge. But the grill bullets in the grill were perfect. And it just worked. So we put those and we put the bullets right there where the seam of the fender matches the front of the car. And then, uh, you know, just use the rest of the, the two ends of the front bumper. And that was pretty straightforward. The back bumper, a little bit different. Um, as you know, the rear bumper on Volkswagens uh, have a, a larger radius on them for protection for the engine compartment. Right. So they, the rear bumper kind of swings out more. Um, uh, so we didn't want that. We wanted another bumper that was like everybody likes to do is tuck the bumpers in, keep them close to the car. So we used another front bumper, and uh, it's funny. I don't know if a lot of people would realize, but top to bottom on the bumper itself, it's a little bit of a different shape. It's not perfect. Right. So we we flipped around the front bumper upside down, 
And then we cut it in two places. And then we found these bumperettes from a 59 Lincoln bump bumper and put them on the back. And instead of using amber lenses for turn signals, like it would have been used on the front, we just put red, you know, red lenses in there for the taillights. So, um, that was just kind of a discovery. Try, again, trying to find something small enough to fit that wasn't going to be identical to the front. Right. I uh, wanted to be something different. And those little wings that come off those 59 Lincoln bumperettes were pretty cool. And it just so happens it covers up the uh, seam of the fenders that, you know, that uh, go to the back of the car there. So, um, yeah, it just fits. It was, like, like everything just fits. And then the, the interesting thing is the rear bumper is a VW front bumper flipped upside down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just uh, using, you know, just using some of those. It's just, again, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're there and, and they're like, you know, if I'm there long enough I, and I have all these ideas, I might have said a hundred different things, but that just one thing would stick and that would be, oh, well, why not use a front bumper for the back? And then so that idea stuck. There's a lot of ideas that got thrown out. Uh, that car actually, when we had it in bare metal, that had, um, white wall tires on it and it had 50, um, 50 style, uh, steel, you know, plain steel wheels, you know, the deep dish sure. steel wheels with the, with the dog disc hubcaps. The car was going to be themed more of in a fifties vibe and it turned out, uh, in our infinite wisdom here, as we were building the car, we we're like, well, in my mind, I said, you know, this is a car that if you had bought in 1956 and then waited 10 years, it would have been 1966. What were guys doing in 1966? And the Gene Winfields and the George Barrises and all the guys that were drag racing, what were they customizing? How were they customizing? And so that 60s vibe kind of got pushed into the car, and that's reflective in the paint color scheme, the ET mags that we put on the car. Right, right. Um, it's got more of a Buick, you know, even the Buick Olds, uh, do, do you remember the Hearst Olds wheel stander? The, uh, yeah. The, the yes. Cuda? Yeah. So that's like black and gold and that's mid engine, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of reflective of that kind of crazy, uh, design and crazy stuff those guys were doing back in the day. Well, you know? also, you know, with the Buicks in the mid '60s, the modified Buicks, and, the, and then the hot rods in the '50s and '60s, the guys were building. They would take Buick nail heads and they'd put them in the T buckets and all that stuff. And one of the things was the finned, the finned uh, valve covers and finned valley pan valve covers. covers. And then yes. you brought that theme under the front hood, where you've got a finned, uh, looks like a finned cap over the gas tank if the gas tank is still in that location. And then yes. another yes. another finned cap underneath it that looks well. You got to kind of know Buicks or hot rods to pick that up. You know what I mean? But it's yeah, super cool. Yeah. Well, so that design didn't necessarily come from the idea of fin valve covers on a Buick from back in the day, but it, it ultimately came from an aftermarket piece that was the battery cover for the Optima battery. So there's a company called O'Brien's Truckers. Uh-huh. Uh huh came across it. I don't know how, but we were, I don't know if it's because we said we wanted to use an Optima battery or what, but uh, O'Brien's Truckers made this cast piece for a battery cover. And so, um, and the area where the fuel tank was, 
we actually needed to use that space to house all of the electronics for the EFI, um, for the GPS system on the speedometer, because speedometer runs on GPS now, and all the air ride components, uh, air ride pump, uh, you know, all everything had to hide under there. So we had to relocate the gas tank above that. So it's literally right behind the wiring cover. Right. Uh, or where the wiring would be. Yeah. Uh, we just used like a, you know, a, a Speedway Motors aftermarket tank. Um, but the cover that you speak of that is thin that matches the O'Brien's trucker's battery box, uh, that was all handmade by the guys at Brown's Metal Mods, uh, to mimic the same. So basically it was all made out of steel. They welded all those pieces in and uh, leaded all the, you know, the, the, the rails, if you will. So I don't know if there's, yeah. I don't know, there's like a roll of 15, 15 different rails on top of that cover. And then they went back and ground it all out, smoothed it out and painted it. It's a, it's a work of art in itself. Oh yeah. Um, and I have to tell people that was handmade, especially people that aren't Volkswagen people, they wouldn't know, um, that that was a handmade piece. Well, um, oddly enough, I own a 65 Riviera. That's kind of a pro touring car and I have <laughs> okay. the nail head in it. So I saw that I saw all the Buick stuff right away and I was like, you know, that's pretty cool that he's got the <laughs> fin the fin this and the fin that because that was kind of the thing back in the day because it started with the the original Buick aluminum drums that were fin that everybody would use for performance and then sure. all of a sudden then these guys would just start using you know, they'd start putting aluminum fin stuff on everything. So it was just kind of a cool touch, a throwback to the kind of 60s vibe, you know, kind of bringing that hot rod theme all the way through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, you know, even with the Hillborn injection on that car, which I didn't know when I bought that 215 Buick, that they made a Hillborn unit for those 215s. But like you said, the guys used to put them in T-buckets. Yeah, they, they used to use these 215s and uh, dragsters uh, that they would put in lightweight dragsters. They used to use a lot of them in circle track racing. Um, I didn't know that. I just, all I knew is that when I first got, found one, it was small enough to fit in the back. I didn't know the history. It's all aluminum, you know, which I didn't realize. They started making them in cast iron afterwards with aluminum heads, but mine's uh, mine's aluminum. But that Hillborn unit was a great find. Yeah, and, those are um, those are pretty rare in themselves. The Hillborn setups yeah, for those. Yeah, yep. So we converted that to the, so that, but that still got that '60s vibe. I mean, it was either that. Uh, the original thought was, well, why don't we put a '671 supercharger on sure. it? Sure. But but and a lot of people that have seen this car over the years, uh, all of them obviously comment that there's no firewall on the car, and that you have the crank pulley right there by your elbow. Um, when you're sitting there and you know, that's dangerous and stupid, but it is what it is. Uh, but if I had a blower drive on there with a three inch belt, there would have been no, there would have been no way it would have stuck weight. It would have been literally between driver and passenger. It would have been too, too close. And you know, that, that, that blower gear would be up by your ears yeah. and instead of that crank pulley being down, at least that crank pulley is down by your elbow. Right. And, uh, you know, if you throw a belt, then you might be getting hit with that little belt, but it's better, it's better than having a blower drive belt come off and uh, hit you. It would have been a cool factor. Sure. At that at that point, it would have been strictly a show car. You know, I don't it w I don't even think I would have been able to drive it. Yeah, I could have probably figured a way to put some kind of custom 
firewall that would have boxed around the supercharger area and all that. But um, no, I didn't go that route. The Hillborn unit, is, I think, is cooler. Um, people have said, well, you should have just continued those velocity stacks right up through the, the sunroof. That would have been cool, you know, but then they would have been super tall. <laughs> well, and, but, you know, and, and the car's mid-engine, so you have the, the whole rear set of the car, the whole rear is all custom tube chassis, right? Yeah, so that 73 pan, uh, that was debated as to what we want to do, and we're like, well, not, why not just use the pan? Uh, we can reinforce it to accommodate the V8. We'll hard mount it, hard mount it to the tunnel, and then the back half of that pan will just uh, attach and, and create a custom fab independent rear uh, for that. We didn't need um, you know torsion bars anymore or anything because we're using the airbags. So um, so we we came up. Uh, those guys built uh, hand hand built control arms. We used uh, strong 930 CV joints from a Porsche 930. Uh, because we knew the pinion angle on that those axles being as short as they were going to be, right. uh, which ended up being eight inch axles. Uh, if you look at the car, the the the, the boots uh, for the CV joints cover up the axle completely. So the inner and outer CV joint, once you get those boots on there, you can't even see the axles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's crazy. And and that's the other thing too. Um, one of the important things to me was uh, outside the major body modification of chopping the top and chopping the car for the trim, uh, like I said, I didn't want to lengthen it, and I didn't want to widen it. And I did not want to use widened fenders because, again, the proportions to me would look kind of funky. Like, widened fenders look good to me in certain applications. I don't, you know, I I have a pair that I want to put on a car someday. But... um, but I wanted to narrow the rear end, and, 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 you know, obviously it's not a straight axle. So I don't know of anyone that – I think there's a couple other Volkswagens out there that have done some mid-engine applications, um, like that Gia that I think you talked about before. Yeah, um, the V10 Gia. Yeah, that has custom-built, you know, independent rear uh, to accommodate uh, the wider tires. But mine are, like, 345 wide, I think. That's They're crazy. Uh, Diamondback uh, drag radials uh, from Diamondback. And uh, my intent when we, you know, and it's a, what a lot of guys do. I've seen them, people do it with Cudas or Chevelles. They first thing they do is buy the wheels and tires. They put them under the car and then they build the car around that. Right, and right. that's that's exactly what we did with the Volkswagen. We built the independent rear around those wheels and tires. And so they, they work. It, uh, we didn't have to widen the car, and I think they work. You know, I just I think it looks great. You know. Now um, the the transmission you got in here is it's a Mendiola. That's correct. Yep, it's Mendiola um, cable shift four speed. Um, at the time, they didn't have. Um, I don't think they offered the five speed, and the uh, I, I wish uh, at the time they would have had the um, sequential. Sequential, yeah, because uh, the cable shift on that isn't as ideal as I would like it to be. To be honest, it's, it works fine, right. but if I want if I want to get on it and get through it, you know, you have to be careful that you're not missing the gear. Right, um, right. The sequential would be so much easier. Uh, but yeah, we used that, and I called the guys up, and um, 
they said, what are you using it for? What's your engine application? What do you want to do with it? And, you know, horsepower. And so they built it to accommodate, you know, all of those specs that I gave them on the car. Um, I told them, I says, you know, I just want it to be strong enough to where I can bring it up to six grand and drop the clutch. And uh, they said, well, we can build it strong enough to handle that because they build, uh, you know, they build, obviously, all, all your fans know, they build these transaxles to handle big V8 power and sand oh, yeah. rails. 2,000 horsepower them. some of them have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I didn't have to pay the price for a transaxle to handle 2,000 horsepower, thank God, because right. <laughs> that could have been very pricey. Now this now your car the whole car is set up with full air suspension on it so it's got in the front you still using a stock VW beam in the front yeah uh, stock beam but it's just been narrowed six inches uh, originally when I had those old steel steely wheels on there the t the wheels and tires in the front were wider and that was fine if you're going straight but we all know that trying to do that on the front end of a bug even when you narrow the beam you're going to have rubbing issues in the sheet metal on the inner fender wells so I ended up with a skinny tire you know front and uh which ended up making it more of a straight car it's not a car that you take out on a road course it's got the fat tires in the back and the skinny tires in the front uh it's got you know i think it's got the original size 165 tire on the front uh like a volkswagen would have in the 15 by 4 et mag on the yeah. front so yeah. Yeah, it's just got uh, I I love the I love the setup and the stance. Now, you mentioned a few times you drive this car. What's the furthest you've driven this car? Uh well, and everything. I've actually driven around here in Colorado quite a bit. Uh I recently just brought it uh about 45 minutes away. I haven't driven it more than, you know, an hour away uh at any given point, but it's it's worked really well. Uh, the big the big thing about this car and the test is the cooling system, right? Um, the cooling system is a one-off. Uh, it had to be engineered because similar to what I spoke of before about if we were to put a blower, that pulley on the blower was going to stick out. Same thing with the water pump on the front of the motor. Uh, the water pump pulley would have been right by your shoulder and would have been just too close. Um, so we had to shave the water pump on the front of the motor and gut it, and we had to come up with this unique uh, electric water pump design and put radiators instead of in the front of the car, which a lot of V8 guys do for when they do V8s and Volkswagens, they'll put the uh, radiator in the front and then cut a hole in the hood, which would have really ruined the look of the car. Sure. So, we, so we put in... Um, two box fans uh or two excuse me two uh radiators that were square in shape and they were aftermarket we tilted them down and then we had uh so we have air passing through that way but we also have the electric fans that are underneath those that you know you can't see from the inside yeah, of the car draw through, some car. draw through fans underneath. yeah and they yeah and they pull through which uh, originally, I thought when we first were putting it all together, I thought they actually uh, pulled air from outside and, and pushed into the car, but they don't. They actually pull out the air from out of the car, and which is good in a design standpoint because the, it's pulling the heat out of the car. It's pulling the heat from the radiators out of the car. Sure, sure. So, so anyway, so we, you know, it's it's hard to to describe unless you look at the pictures. But we have two radiators. 
mounted in the floor behind the driver and passenger. We have electric water pump on each side. One is pushing water into the motor. The other one's pulling it as it comes out and looping it through those radiators. And it's just a loop system, I guess, is, you know, lack of a better term to, to what to call it. But it was completely a one-off engineered effort and it works so we're good (laughs) that's the thing i mean to to have a car that's done this nice and to be able to to have it be this custom most people think this is just a a trailer queen and and you don't drive it but you've actually driven it to car shows driven it on cruises and all kinds of stuff like that which is yeah i have And, and and it's funny because for as long as the car has been around which it's been around actually for quite some time you finished it what year um, in 20 so 2017, 2017. July 2017, it was unveiled at the Columbus Good Guys. Uh, and then we went to the Syracuse Nationals the week after that. And then we went to Hot August Nights in Reno. How was that? Uh, How it, was it received at Hot August Nights? We got uh, fourth place, which was a $7,000 prize, which was nice. Wow. It was 30000 30, to win, which is why everybody and their brother was bringing their hot rods out there. I mean – that show um, never been before. Just knew that they were paying thirty grand to win, and I'm like, well, I get some recoup back on my investment if I win anything. You know, it would be great to win, win. But I, I don't know. I didn't even know how anybody was going to receive it. I mean, the first two shows we brought to was Columbus and Syracuse, and people were flipping out. And I was like, wow, I might, I might have something here. So decided to bring it out to Reno, and uh, we were in the top fifty cars out of twelve thousand. Like. They, you, you, I think you had to pre-register your car, you know, just to make sure that it's worthy of being in the top 50 kind of thing. And then you're in a special location right under that Reno sign, the biggest little town in, in, Vegas, uh, in Nevada. Yeah. Nevada right? yeah. And uh, it was literally right there. And um, that was the year the Mulholland Speedster won. If you remember the guy from Hot Rod Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Hot Rods yeah, built Troy that. Ladd. Troy Led, he won, he won that. And uh, so anyway, so I went out there. And then in 2018, I did the ISCA circuit indoor shows from like January till March. So it was all over the country at all these indoor shows, getting some notoriety there and winning awards everywhere. Um, so it didn't get driven a lot at that time, right? So it was just basically being trailered everywhere, especially at ICA being the wintertime. And then COVID, uh, you know, in 2019, it was kind of sporadic. COVID hit in 20. And then uh, we actually had an issue with the motor. We had to pull the motor out of the car and uh, get into the motor and rebuild it. Um, Too many cold start revs uh, for the crowd, I think, is what ultimately led to that problem. Yeah. Because everybody wants to hear it, right? hundred percent. hundred percent. You know, it's like you, even you, when we were oh, at the yeah. Grand National, you know, it was parked inside. You couldn't start it the whole weekend until it was the day to move out. And then you could finally hear it, you know. Um, that thing's a monster. I mean, it's just incredible how, how that thing sounds. Yeah. But I want to put all the naysayers to rest. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, from a safety standpoint, I don't care. I get it. If a hose blows or a belt pops off, you're subject to getting hurt somehow, some way. It could be minimal. It could be major. I get it. Um, but I can fix that real quick with getting a plexiglass uh, uh, firewall yeah. firewall made. And I still have all the cooling effects that I need because I, we didn't talk about this before, but 
uh, outside of the electric fans pulling the hot air from inside the car. We ceramic coated the exhaust zoomies inside and out and, and wrapped them with heat tape um, to eliminate that because we, we knew that heat was going to be an issue. We also reversed the pop-out windows to open backwards so that air scoops into the car as you're going down the road. And so there's a bunch of air buffeting in that's coming in, but it needs a place to pass through. Right. So above the, above the deck lid, we cut out the interior panel that would block the exterior vents that are above the deck lid. So that air literally just comes in through the car and out the back. And, and then everyone, you know, the other thing is too, Hey, does it get hot in there? I get that. Is it loud? And is it hot? No, it's not that loud because the exhaust is behind you. And no, it doesn't get that hot because I never drive the thing with the sunroof closed and the windows up. Right. It's always a, it's a windows down car. It's a sunroof open car. That's how you're supposed to drive it on a nice day, you know? So, um, so it works, it works. So yeah, I mean, uh, that's one of the things I'm going to do is get a, um, a firewall made for it here in the next month. I have a contact here in Denver that uh, is going to build me one. And uh, that way I can take a passenger with me because I think that's, that's the big concern. I don't want to take someone with me and, and, and then God forbid something happens and they get hurt, you know? Um, so if I'm going to drive it, it's going to have to be added that safety feature to yeah. it. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, but for show, I can take it out. It's going to be one of those things you can just take, take in and out. So, well, I tell you, man, yeah. you've did an, you've done an awesome job on a super unique build. It is definitely a one of one car. It's super unique. The, the, the build, cause I've seen it personally and the build quality on it is unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, it's a high level hot rod. And, um, I mean, I just think it's, it's, it's such a cool thing that so many, I think so many people in the VW world have not been exposed to this car. So hopefully at least through this podcast, people research it. I'll put a link on here to your, uh, Facebook page and all that stuff. And now, um, you're doing something now with hot rods now, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of going down that road, started your started mind blow customs and some stuff like that. Or what are you doing with that? Yeah. So, uh, ever since moving out here to Colorado, I've started, uh, basically at the end of the day, what we're going to end up doing is opening up a shop. I got to put together a staff and get a shop and, and put one together. I'm not sure if we're going to base it out here out of Denver, or if we might even go into Southern California, which has been the mecca of hot rodding for 50 years. So I may have missed that mark. I don't know. Uh, I know that there's a specific niche here in Denver because there's not a lot of shops, but there's a lot of demand. Um, so I'm looking to do that. But for right now, I'm doing a bunch of my own builds, advertising uh, my creative craziness and how I'm kind of approaching things a little bit differently, how I approach that bug. Because, again, unbeknownst to me when I built this car, I, I've been in the hot rod world all my life. I've seen a lot of cool cars, and I can respect every car that has had custom work done to it. And I talk, you know, we all go to car shows, and we can talk all day uh, to everybody about what they've done to their cars. But for some reason, uh, a lot of people will come up and say, you know what, you have something here. Uh, you know, you're doing something a lot different. You're uh, Even Troy Ladd. At the Reno, I remember him telling me, you're changing the hot rod world with this car. Um, the guy that's the president of Good Guys came up to me and said the same exact thing. And I said, wow. I said, here's a guy who came coming out of the bus business that was just doing cars on the right. side. 
and you're telling me that, you know, I can compete or I can be at a level where people, you know, kind of, I blow their minds. So that's where the name came up. Uh, I have about, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I have four builds going on in three different states right now. Um, and they're all different and unique. And, you know, I, I'm starting to expose them through social media and so on and get some followers. You know, it's a slow going process, obviously, but uh, get more people interested in what I do. And then once people start figuring out that, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, they want something a little bit different than, you know, they, they want their 67 Nova to be different than this guy's 67 Nova. Right. Well, let's, let's see what we can do to make it over the top. And uh, I think a lot of that honestly has to do with metal fabrication uh, or fiberglass, depending on what you're working with. But, you know, just making these modest touches here and there to, to make people walk by it and then turn around and come back and say, what did I just see? You know, kind of um, really throw them off a little bit, you know, yeah. and, I, and, and, I, and I love that. It really it creates a dialogue. It creates a conversation. It creates it gives those people creativity for their own projects. And, uh, so yeah, that's what mind blow customs is all about. And, uh, so yeah, they can check me out on all of the social medias and, uh, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Well, very so. cool. And you know, I, I, I'd love to see you come down to Vegas for our one crazy weekend, our first weekend in October. And I'm uh, planning on it. <laughs> I would love to see, I would love to have you cruising the strip with us in, uh, in the Berlin Buick, man. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people would get a kick out of seeing that car and really be able to appreciate the work that's gone into it, you know? Uh, I definitely uh, plan on it, Bill. I really appreciate the invitation, and uh, I look forward to it. Uh, I don't get out to Vegas much, but if I do and there's a car show, I'm there. Hey. So. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> well, I'll definitely keep you in the loop, and uh, I'll, I'll be working on getting you over here and, and having you experience the whole weekend because it's not just a strip cruise and then a car show, but we also do a poker run where we give away a couple grand in cash. And that's oh, wow. everybody driving their car to a couple of different locations. It's just, it's just a great time, man. So I look forward yeah, to no, that seeing awesome. you down here and, and, and having you expose the Berlin Buick to a lot of people in the VW world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so. definitely. Now, definitely. Hey, Rob, I appreciate you coming on, man. And I'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to talk to you. No. Uh, yeah, we have, uh, just so you know, and I haven't posted much about it, but I have a 1970 Fastback nice. that I'm building right now that's going to blow your mind. That's completely a Fastback that you've never seen before. I love uh, it. So, I love it. I and, love, it I, and, it's because, and it's because I've never seen anyone else modify a Fastback. I've seen squarebacks. I've right. seen those. Things. I've, actually, I've seen them put V8s in the front of a squareback. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a really cool build. So well, that's awesome, yeah. man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it and I want you to reach out to me as soon as you get some stuff put together on there so we can uh, expose it to the VW world. I appreciate that. Thank you. You got it, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, man. Take care. All right. If you like that podcast and the hard work that goes into making this podcast well before you think about supporting let's talk Dubs by going to our merch page and picking up some merch, you can get stickers, hats, t-shirts, whatever you can. And be on the lookout for some new gear coming up in the next few months if you've already been a supporter. But we appreciate the support by our listeners as well as some of our sponsors. This particular podcast was brought to you by VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people, by the people. So go to VWTrendsMagazine.com and subscribe today. Also, our friends over at Ross Wolf, Quality Speed and Innovation is their name of their game. And they build some of the finest aftermarket parts 
built by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. So you guys make sure you get to their website, rosswolf.com, and check them out. And you know it wouldn't be complete if we didn't give some shout-outs this week. Shout-out goes out to Ron Bullard out of Portland, Oregon, for supporting the podcast. He picks up some merch on our podcast. Clearly, probably one of the coolest dudes that can be up in Portland, Oregon, because he supports the podcast. We appreciate Ron's support. Look forward to providing more good content. He says... I've been listening for a long time, Bill T. Looking forward to more technical interviews from SoCal Horsepower Innovators in the industry. Keep them coming. Thanks, Ron. So, Ron, we appreciate you supporting the podcast. Look forward to meeting you one day, maybe at the VW Classic. So, Or, you know what? Ron can hop in his Volkswagen and drive it down to the Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend, which is coming up this year. That's right. Again, we're doing it one crazy weekend here, hosted at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. It's going to be a strip cruise, poker run, and car show taking place October 7th and 8th here in Las Vegas, Nevada, hosted by our friends at the Orleans Hotel Casino, and it's brought to you by Finley Volkswagen. So we're really looking forward to having you guys out there this year. It's going to be another rage of an event. It's already starting to build up to be huge. Don't miss this event, which is probably going to be one of the big events to talk about this year. As a matter of fact, in Volksmania Magazine, there's a spread coverage on the one crazy weekend from last year done by local contributor Ian Mockler. So appreciate Ian for uh, getting us in the magazine and getting that coverage out there and look forward to some of these Volksmania people coming out there and checking out the one crazy weekend. For more information, go to letstalkdubs.com and click on Showtime. Until next week, guys. Later. Here's a Volkswagen that's big enough. The new VW Fastback Sedan. The Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air-cooled. Since we made a VW that's a little roomier in the inside, Where most cars have their trunks, we have a... Come into your Volkswagen dealer. He'll show you where the motor is.